Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. It is December 19th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Asheville Pagan Supply. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, this is the solstice, the still point of the sun, its cusp and midnight the year's threshold and unlocking where the past lets go and becomes the future, the place of caught breaths by Margot Adler. Nope. Margot, (laughs) Margot Adler, Margaret Atwood. (laughs) Uh, Moving into some headlines. This comes to us locally and from NOLA.com. Marie Laveau's husband disappeared 200 years ago. But an LSU student thinks she finally found him. So whatever happened to voodoo queen Marie Laveau's husband, Jacques Paris? According to old documents, he was a cabinet maker who married 18-year-old Marie in 1812. He appeared in the New Orleans City Directory in 1822, and then, poof, he disappeared from history. LSU doctoral student, uh... LSU doctoral student Kanitha Harrington has said that over the years, fiction writers have had a field day dreaming up explanations for his disappearance. Maybe he went down in a shipwreck seeking to return to his birthplace, St. Domingue. Maybe he disapproved of his young wife's devotion to voodoo and departed for parts unknown. Maybe he suddenly lost his mind. Maybe Mr. Paris had an affair with another woman and skipped out for a new life. And of course, there's always the possibility of sorcery to explain Paris's sudden absence from the record. After all, in our colorful collective imagination, Marie Laveau is a metaphysical superhero, like Merlin, with one foot in our world and the other in the sphere of the occult. A woman with her magical powers could certainly cast a spell, banishing a cheating husband to the netherworld, never to be seen again, right? In reality, Paris didn't dematerialize into the ether. He probably just drifted up to Baton Rouge, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Harrington, who hails from Chicago, said she was immediately enthralled by the myth of Marie Laveau when she first encountered it at age 12, while playing a primitive video game called Gabriel Knight's Sins of the Father. The game centered on a series of mysterious voodoo murders. It included references to a magical talisman, zombies, and the tomb of the irresistibly alluring voodoo queen. Harrington already had a romantic mental image of the magnetic place called New Orleans. Her grandmother had come to Illinois from Louisiana two generations before, So when Harrington packed up and moved to the Crescent City in 2009, it was sort of a homecoming. Part of what drew her here was the opportunity to walk the same streets as Marie Laveau. 
The real-life Laveau, she discovered, was even more interesting than the myth Laveau she first loved. Harrington said the voodoo queen was a so-called free woman of color, a historical term applied to black and mixed-race people who were not enslaved. She was born in 1801 and as an adult worked in some domestic capacity, possibly as a hairdresser, later a merchant who sold her wares uh, on the banks of Bayou St. John. As an elderly woman, she comforted condemned prisoners at the city jail. She was a mother of nine by two men, Paris and Christ, uh, Christophe Glapion. She and Glapion became longtime domestic partners after Paris was out of the picture. For decades, Laveau was the city's premier voodoo priestess. Everyone knows Marie Laveau, Harrington said. Lots of tourists make pilgrimages to her tomb in St. Louis No. 1, and that brings us back to the mystery of her missing husband. Nobody knows where he was laid to rest. At least they didn't until recently. And honestly, as far as I always knew, it was that he just disappeared. Like, no one ever really talked about anything more than that. You know? So this is really fascinating. As a student of Marie Laveau, Harrington said, I've never been satisfied that he just disappeared. It seemed too easy for him to disappear. So five years ago, she started hunting through historic archives to find out what happened to a free man of color named Jacques Paris. Harrington said she had two strategies that eventually paid off. First, she figured that scholars had certainly scoured the records in New Orleans, searching for Paris's passing. Instead, she began her search in the neighboring city of Baton Rouge. Plus, she didn't just search for Jacques Paris. She searched for San Santiago Paris, an alternative version of his name. So Harrington didn't find either Jacques or Santiago. In 2019, she came upon the record of an 1823 succession, a list of earthly possessions compiled after death for a man named Santiago Paris, a phonetic spelling of Santiago. He was a free man of color and a carpenter, which is a more generic description of a cabinet maker. The chances that there were was another free man of color in West Baton Rouge, Paris, with that name, who was also a carpenter living around that time, are unlikely, Harrington said. The dots line up. I welcome arguments against, but that is my theory. Since she presented her finding to Louisiana Historical Association this year, no one has challenged her conclusion. So it seems Paris's disappearance had nothing to do with the occult. He just relocated 80 miles upriver, maybe for work, maybe to put his past behind. Who knows? Then St. Iago died, owning an assortment of woodworking tools and a few changes of clothes valued at $13.87. Yeah. And there's no record of them ever divorcing. So it really seems like he just, like he just left, you know? All right. I thought it's fun. I mean, that's like a lifelong mystery. And um, I will say I have done my fair amount of research looking for certain names. Uh, I was doing research on, on a house recently and uh, a very prominent book, uh, architecture book, said a certain man owned the home and the house is even named after this man. I could not find a single record of this man existing. I found a single entry within a medical book. Uh, indicating he was at a meeting once. There is literally no other trace of this man. It is really, there is such this belief, um, and I have argued this with people. People believe, well, we don't have record of it. And it's like, well, yeah, because one, records 
records disappear all the time and people don't make records of things all the time. There could be lore that I went to Bayou St. John and did a ritual and like 200 years from now, someone can be like, well, there's no record of it. Well, yeah. Do you like make record every time you go somewhere? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. So it's hard to find people, even prominent people, people, houses are named after, uh, after it's hard to find records. It's really no easy task. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Tuesday, December 19th. The first quarter moon moves from free-flowing Pisces to head-rushing Aries today. Here, the moon conjuncts Neptune and squares the sun. We may be feeling rather unsure of ourselves today, second-guessing every decision. The conjunction to Neptune is clouding things up, and we're unsure of how we really feel. The square to the sun is making us doubt ourselves and lose touch with our real essence. It's a good idea to slow all the way down today and try to reestablish a connection within us. Try not to make any long-term decisions with these short-term feelings, as we're likely quite out of sorts with these confusing vibes. Your daily moon mantra is, you get the benefit of both giving and receiving compassion when you give it to yourself first. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Asheville Pagan Supply is a witch-owned and operated old-age metaphysical pagan supply store located in the Blue Ridge Mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina. Our shop specializes in high-quality products created by local magic practitioners and craftspersons with an emphasis on sourcing products that are botanical, organic, ecologically conscious, and affordably priced. We are extremely proud of our knowledgeable and friendly staff who are always prepared to answer questions and personally assist customers with their purchases. Our belief has always been that our business presence in the community offers a normalcy to pagan practices, and in educating the general public we assist in dispelling myths and stereotypes associated with different pagan practices. Open since July of 2014, we focus on our local community and hosting workshops and events. Visiting Asheville? Find us! Just look for the raven with the key. Or shop 24-7 at AshevillePaganSupply.store. That's A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E-P-A-G-A-N Supply.store. Blessed be. All right. So we are talking about how, how to celebrate Yule and Christmas time with families. So this comes to us from PaganKids.org, written by Jennifer Hartman. So there's a few different things you can do with children or anyone in your family if you want to do something kind of wholesome and family friendly. So one, you can hunt for a tree. This is one of the author's favorite ways to kick off the holiday season. First, you need to find a tree farm that serves hot chocolate by a, fi uh, by a fire. Once you have found one, get everyone bundled up in their coziest winter gear and hit the road. After you cut down your Yuletide tree, it is time to war the, warm the soul by enjoying hot chocolate by a crackling fire. Next, craft decorations. Having kids craft decorations for the home has to be one of the best ways to get them into the holiday spirit. 
pick up some straw, grab some ribbon, and forage for other crafting supplies to create animals or shapes for the train. Uh, try your luck on the ultimate crafting project by creating a Yule goat out of straw and ribbon. Next, baking Yuletide goodies. Growing up Swedish, Yule wasn't Yule without uh, ginger snaps and cinnamon rolls. My mom literally baked batches of these every week until Yule. To nurture my husband's German heritage, he bakes German pancakes for breakfast and braided stolen dessert on the day of Frau Hall, uh, when Frau Hall will leave gifts. You can read stories. One of the best ways to incorporate the spirit of Yule into the lives of children is through stories encompassing the tone of the holiday. If you're looking for Scandinavian folklore, uh, you can try The Tomten by Astrid Lugren. Uh, if you're looking for something more encompassing, you can do Old N Norse Lore of Yuletide. Old Mother Frost as well is a good uh, message. Next, if your kids love Disney, watch Olaf's Frozen Adventure. You would never imagine how much research went into Disney's 22-minute short story. Every time I watch Olaf's Frozen Adventure, I pick up on more subtle displays of Yule. It's obvious, the Yule bell, special folkware, and special goodies. The story conveys the message that being together over unique family traditions is what makes the holidays special. Next, you can make Yule shoes. This is one of the author's favorite parts of Yule. As far as gift giving goes, it's pretty humble. Shoes placed outside are filled with candies and oranges and small toys. Some families choose to nestle a small gift wrap amongst uh, or a small gift amongst the shoes. In the author's family, this is how Frau Hall leaves her gifts for children, the Knight of Yule. It is our way to include a little touch of magic to the festivities while honoring ancient German legends. Next, you can spice up your life with mulled wine. Not only do wine drinkers love it, but it fills the home with the amazing spell of spices. It has cinnamon, vanilla, oranges, cloves, cardamom. You can add vodka. Uh... To make it a little bit more festive, um, <laughs> you can also just do uh, do it with like apple cider. I think is nice too. You can honor your ancestors with a feast. Historical heathen Yule is a three day celebration where gods and ancestors are honored over a meaty sacrifice. It would be prepared, cooked, and shared amongst all in attendance. Today we can translate this to holding a feast and toasting in honor of loved ones. Remember, this is a day to celebrate with merriment, memory, and cheer. Your ancestors wouldn't want you grieving. So these are some really great holiday ideas. Um, I'm trying to think if my family has anything super special um, that we do together. And really, not really. We really aren't like a do things together family, <laughs> which I have been trying to change uh, with a lot of uh, difficulty for years. Uh, but you know, one day we do watch movies. That's nice. But one day I'll get an activity out of them. Jesus. All right. Which is, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, don't, um, oh, I do want to give a shout out to listener. Uh, let's see. Gara Sue. Gara Sue, you perfect, talented gnome. Ashley Hirawaka. The Wicked Starry-Eyed Vampire Slayer, Danry, 
you scrumptious, tenacious vampire. And Christy Hendrickson, you bedazzled, dreamlike kraken. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, so that's all I've got for you. A little housekeeping before we leave. Don't forget we have a new call-in segment. Actually, if you want to call in and just share like your favorite Yule tradition, please do. I'll play it on air. Uh, 504-291-4527. It'll ring, ring, ring to a voicemail. And you can leave a message. And that's it. So we will talk again on Thursday. Bye. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>